and welcome to this episode of Two Star Wars Fans Screaming Incoherently About Ahsoka Episode 8. In actuality, this is technically the episode of the Star Wars Universe podcast in which we'll be talking about the final episode of the Ahsoka series and what it means for everything going forward. We do have a lot to say about it. We will be doing some real analysis of it, of decisions, of characters, of what we loved, maybe what we're, we weren't the biggest fans of, but there's going to be a lot of incoherent screaming because this is just a great way to wrap up a great series. And there's so much Aaron and I have to say about it. But first, I have to first of all thank Aaron for captaining the ship these last two episodes. Um, I have had COVID or something like it, never quite tested positive, but had all the symptoms, been isolating, and really couldn't record, couldn't for a while I was just in bed and then my throat was just terrible. Aaron and Alex, who I hope is going to be a regular part of things going forward in this podcast as well, um, they did a great job of captaining the ship and so, Aaron, why don't you kind of just catch me up before we even dive into Episode 8. Tell me some more about what you and Alex had to say about uh, Episode 6 and 7. Yes. Well, first of all, I missed you. I'm glad you're back. <clears throat> Thank you so fun, much. It was fun, just Alex and I, but it is harder hosting than I – I mean, obviously, I got it. Obviously, it's, like, perfect and great, except for I didn't mm-hmm. plan ahead at all. Um, that's okay. <laughs> we figured it out. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure. But, yeah, we haven't talked since Thrawn's return. Okay. So, episode six, big episode. It, like, Mm -hmm. it was fast, too. Yeah. There's something that Alex texted me that perfectly encapsulates how I felt about this episode. He texted me the moment the episode finished. They really said, and then he sent the opening um, title from Return of the King. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And he said, and then Dave said... Return of the King. <laughs> yeah. Because really, we get thrown halfway through the episode, and everyone's losing their mind. And it's like, wow, this episode is everything. And then we get Ezra. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh my god. I have goosebumps just thinking about it. Um, but yeah, episode six was super fun. It, it was pretty low on the Ahsoka content. We really just got her and Huang kind of Telling mm-hmm. stories in the ship, which is also cute, and I appreciated. Um, yep. And Alex pointed this out to me, but uh, Hugh Ang talks about the three volumes of the history of Star... Not Star Wars, but the history of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And Ahsoka says, the first of which is the best, as we all know. And it's a little bit of a nod to the fact that there's three trilogies, and the first trilogy is about the prequels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I definitely caught that. I was like, okay, that's that's a little bit of you know the 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 Floney, uh yep. Lucas, like all this kind of stuff going on. Got got to give them credit for that. Yeah, I didn't catch that at all. So I was like, no way. That was cool when Alex pointed it out. I appreciated mm-hmm. that. Um, let's see though. Yeah, we just saw oh Sabine and her howler. So funny. Mm-hmm. I do love just a good bit of comedy with the sad dog that's just doing its best but is kind of a coward and it's yeah. also a crocodile <laughs> it was it was it, it's funny like you said like <clears throat> back during the days of the book of boba fett and how that turned into a lot of mandalorian story and then in mandalorian season three we got you know is this about the mandalorian dinjarin or is this about the mandalorian uh bo-katan like i mean i I was one of the biggest defenders of all that because I kind of felt like, let's stop caring about the title of all these. Like, in my mind, this is just all kind of like 
here's a season of what's happening after Return of the Jedi. And now here's another season of it. And here's another season of it. And we're just going to follow that. And we'll, we'll talk about this more at the end uh, when we talk about this episode because it has definitely been much less of an Ahsoka show, but I've loved what we've gotten to Sabine. I've loved what we've gotten uh, getting introduced to Ezra. And my first response to Thrawn was, I think, somewhat frustration that, like, and this is more just an inside Hollywood kind of stuff, and that's a, you know, its own thing. I kind of wish they hadn't made such a big deal about announcing the casting of Thrawn. Because then to have him only show up in the last two and a half episodes felt like a bit of a letdown. Like, I wish it had just been this big surprise. But that being said, like, he appeared on screen, and for maybe five seconds, I thought his hair is wrong and his face is too round. And then I just stopped noticing it because, you know, it's the same voice as from the cartoons, as from the animated shows, uh, Lars Mikkelsen, and he's just so perfect. And it was mm-hmm. just like, this is everything I wanted on Thrawn. I love this. Yeah, it is perfect. It's so perfect. And yeah, like you said, the facial shape isn't exactly perfect to the way it was rendered in cartoon. But I did appreciate mm-hmm. the little bit of prosthetics they threw on him just to make a bit of a difference. You can tell they kind of mm-hmm. raised his cheekbones. And they did that kind of raise, <coughs> almost like arrow that he has on his forehead. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I appreciated those little additions to make it as close to the cartoon as possible without just like, covering Lars Mikkelsen yeah. in prosthetic makeup. <laughs> Especially because, and this is less about the animated show about, as about the books, one thing the books always stress is that his eyes are distinctly different from any other species people have encountered. And it's not because they're red, it's because they're glowing red. Mm-hmm. And there was something about, because like when you see something in animation – because it all looks animated, there was nothing about the eyes that it just looked like, oh, yeah, this, you know, some people's eyes are blue, some people's eyes are green, this character's eyes are red. There was something about what they did with his eyes. I don't know if it's contacts or CGI or whatever, but it really made me get the effect of this is why everyone finds him so alien and unsettling in a way that, like, you can live in a world of some people have tentacles and some people have leku and some people have, you know, or squids and whatever, and it's all fine. But this guy is really weird. And I so appreciated that part of the character design. Yeah, it's incredibly unsettling to look at him. Mm -hmm. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. And how did you guys feel about the uh, Return of the Night Sisters? Oh, my God. <laughs> so good. I was so excited. At first, I had this moment. I'm just going to go over my notes from the previous episodes because I had a couple mm-hmm. of funny things in here. Um, what the heck? Where did I write that? I don't know. I just know when we saw the Great Mothers, I had written down the other Great Mother. Because yeah. Talzin is my great mother, mm-hmm. regardless of what you say. I understand they're from different galaxies, and great mother is probably like a title of sorts, you know? It's obviously not just one person. It's more like a shaman type of a title, mm-hmm. which is cool. But at first, I had this moment of thinking maybe that head great mother was Talzin in some sort of form because she has very similar facial markings, but mm-hmm. the rest of her head shape was completely wrong, and I shortly after that realized right. it definitely is not Talzin as much as I was kind of hoping it might be in some way. I thought it was just one quick moment that was never returned to, but I thought at one point they did refer to them as Talzin, almost as if, like, the mother Talzin is less of a specific individual, but, like, that's the whole – like, they're – 
there are, like, the different dark mothers, one of which is the Mother Talzin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, probably. I don't know. If, I feel like it's kind of ambiguous. Yeah. It could I mean, go certainly either by, way. By the end of this series, I think it's pretty clear we're going to get a lot more of the Night Sisters. There's a lot of mystery still to unpack. Yep. Oh, here's the rest of my notes. Um... And since you went over all this with the last two episodes, you don't have to rehash all of it, but if there's any other kind of last quick things you want to throw in? Yeah, no, I thought it was so funny <clears throat> when Sabine's in the prison on Peridia, and she's, like, trying to use the force, and then we have that moment of some dirt falling from the ceiling, and you're thinking, is she using the force? And then it's the chimera. Mm-hmm. What? That yep. was such a cool way to do that. Um, Enoch, that character, the samurai style of his whole setup, really cool. So who is he? Is he someone we've encountered before? Like, I, I've i read more of the books than you have, so maybe I should know this. I don't have any memory from the books, though. Is this someone totally new? Do we know anything about him? To my knowledge, him? he's a new character. Okay. I'm guessing he's just one of the captains that was with Thrawn and ended up just being promoted because he was the only one left or he was the only one who, like, still had a drive after they were banished to another galaxy, right. you know? Maybe he is from Peridia. I don't think yeah. so. But he could be. I also I – mean, I Sorry. I think they've been pretty clear that, like, the little turtles are the only kind of, like, living – like, there isn't a sort of, like, our size humanoid species living there. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, the like, the raiders, the marauders. That's true. But they do That's speak true. a different language, so Enoch <laughs> couldn't be one of them. Although, mm-hmm. I did also notice with him, his voice is very heavily modulated compared to other stormtroopers. Right. So it does leave a lot of questions about his character. Like, does he not sound like them? Is he like part robot? Has he been dead this right. whole time? Like, I just have a lot of questions about him that I'm excited to see explained through future media. Yeah. Or I hope they Definitely. explain it at least a little bit. Definitely. But oh, no, there's so much to further explain. I think we're going to talk about that a lot when we get into episode eight. Yes. Yes. Um, um, I loved, what did you think? actually, of kind mm-hmm. of the conversation between Shin and Balin in episode six. Because they had a lot of good conversations in that episode. So, it's me hard. I, I think it's okay we're going back and forth because this is going to get into, I can't blame anyone because no one could know this, but my biggest disappointment about this episode, and I think this series, in a weird way, because it quickly made... Balin, I think my favorite character in this show. Mm-hmm. Like as much as I love Thrawn, as much as I, love, I just found him his character so fascinating. Yeah, and the way he, you know, I think something you and I have talked about some, and that I've talked about with other people is like one of the things that's happened as Star Wars has gone on. And this is, I think, part of the reason why some fans are very upset about it. And I kind of want to just tell them to kick rocks, but I kind of understand, you know, I can understand the frustration, but I, I think it's better this way. Is it a story that started out as somewhat black and white morally in terms of like good guys and bad guys mm-hmm. with some grayness about how easily someone can, can act without even realizing it cross the line between the two and come back. But still, there was like the right and the wrong. And as we've gone on, we've gotten more and more like, wait a minute, you can be critical of the Jedi, you can be critical of the Republic, not because you're evil and manipulative, but because you have real critiques. Mm-hmm. And perhaps the critiques you're seeing are just because of Palpatine's manipulations or perhaps because of some real truth there, whatever it is. And so listen to Balin talk, like, 
in some ways, I felt like Balin was the character that I had wanted Count Dooku to be. Absolutely. You know, I, I've talked before about how I, I think Count Dooku in the first parts of Attack of the Clones is fantastic. When he's saying to Obi-Wan, like, don't you see? I broke away because I see all the problems with the Jedi. And then I think the movie's ruined when he's like, oh, no, actually, ha, ha, ha. I'm actually working with Palpatine all the time. Muha, force lightning. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and so having Balin be that person was amazing. And I want to know so much more about him. I want us to know much more about Shin. And so I spent this last episode spending most of the episode being like, this is great, but you need to tell me why Balin stayed behind. What mm-hmm. What is Balin's story? Particularly because, and this is the part where I can't blame Star Wars at all. It's just a horrible tragedy. I, You know, it, it felt very clear to me that what they were saying was, he is one of the stories that we're going to much more thoroughly explore mm-hmm. in the upcoming movie. And then the actor passed away. Yeah. And... I'm going to get a little teary-eyed. I apologize about this. Like, Carrie Fisher meant so much to me growing up, both mm-hmm. because of Princess Leia, but then all the amazing stuff she did as a person. And whatever critiques I have about Rise of Skywalker, I, I've always believed that the movie was originally written believing that Carrie Fisher would be able to play the part of, of Leia in a lot of the role that that Ghost Han Solo winds up having. And, mm-hmm. and... And and so I think there's just a kind of like hor- terrible irony that once again we have a-, a character who'd been set up so clearly to be like this is a mystery box character. There's so much we don't know about him yet. We'll explore that in later seasons. And then the actor passed away. Yeah. And um, it you know it, it it's a terrible tragedy. It's very sad for Ray and of course his family. And I never I never want to sort of like be like oh well now I don't get the movie I want. That's why it's mm-hmm. terrible that someone passed away. But it was my like it was the kind of like because you kind of forget about him in most of that last episode. But I kept thinking about him, and then you get to that last scene of him standing before those statues that seem very reminiscent of Mortis, which we'll talk about. And it was just this crushing realization of like oh. They're setting up his story, but we're not going to get we, – we'll probably still get it in some way, like mm-hmm. people talking to him about it. Um, I'm hoping that maybe it was all – it was – some of it was recorded with him, and so it was on the cutting room floor, and they can put some of that footage in. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just really sad to me that I – he's such a good character. The actor is so amazing, and I just was so frustrated that it was like, oh, they really were expecting to be able to do more with it, and, and now we can't. Yeah. I had <clears> – <throat> very similar feelings and thoughts because mm-hmm. he is possibly the most interesting character in the show. He has such, nobody knows <clears throat> his motives and he has so much yeah. to say and he's so clearly playing a game that nobody mm-hmm. knows what the game is. Yeah. Except for him. And so, yeah, I mean, all we could do is hope that they had some stuff filmed maybe for whether or not they do a season two or whether they're just going straight into the movie we can hope there's maybe a few things out there that they can tie it up in a neat way um Mm -hmm. otherwise yeah i mean i guess there's a couple different things that they could do to try to fill it they could it wouldn't really yeah i don't know i don't know what they could do but i i trust in filoni so i'm sure he will make something work but it is really unfortunate that it's not going to look how we were all hoping. Yeah. Because, and again, like, you know, putting aside the actual tragedy of, of, of the man's passing, which is very important. But 
Yeah, I mean, I just was left with so many questions about what is where is he coming from? What's what's his relationship with Shin? You know what? Because on the one hand, he clearly feels like you know this final battle is not his path, mm-hmm. but then he doesn't you know but then he's like he doesn't want to say to he doesn't want to teach shin that oh, why that so yeah i'm just so fascinated by it. and and his whole like did he see something in um thrawn that disappointed him and so he's now like yeah. well thrawn you should go but i don't want to be a part of it is it about those statues that he found yeah. um so yeah so why don't we use that to go into episode eight and because i think it'd be a big part of what we talk about for episode eight but just overall what'd you think of episode eight just incredible yeah incredible i just really loved it like ugh, the stuff with the night sisters the sword of talzin the i think they called it the gift of shadows given to morgan like mm-hmm. all of that was so cool and just really reminiscent of the clone wars it even got me thinking really hard about the book dark disciple yeah and yep. all that we learn about <clears throat> the night sisters in that um great book if you haven't read it uh Hmm. What else? Uh, Ezra. Just, it was so funny because we're watching it and, you know, great for Sabine. I'm so glad she's like finally able to use the force. This is really cool. The whole Mm -hmm. you jump, I throw you. Um, The fact that that worked is incredible. It had to because there's no way they're killing off Ezra immediately. Yeah. But it was just a really great moment of showing like her newfound power and then immediately having her turn and make a moral decision that is very opposite to the one she's been making so far in the show to choose to stay with Ahsoka mm-hmm. rather than to <coughs> go on, I feel like was a really, just really great moments for Sabine. But mm-hmm. when Ezra was on the ship and then Sabine and Ahsoka are fighting and the episode kind of is coming to a close and my mom's like, oh, Oh, no, like, they didn't save Ezra. Like, what's going to happen to Ezra? And I go, oh, Ezra's fine. Yeah. Like, he is more than fine. Like, he's a sneaky boy. He knocked out that stormtrooper. He's set. Like, don't even worry about it. (laughs) I kept, like, I kept having little moments. And these are references to the show, for those who don't know what we're referring to here, of wanting to see him, like, steal a new helmet. Yep. Because that was always his thing. And so the fact that he comes back, like, the minute I saw that shuttle, I was like, Oh, that's Ezra. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, it knew, like, and, and, and I, I mentioned to Erin because I watched this at, like, one in the morning. I was like, I was so angry that she wasn't awake so I could <laughs> yell at her about this. Because, um, <clears throat> like, the minute that we started to see that, like, him coming off the shuttle would be a reveal, it's like, oh, of course he stole uh, a uniform from one of these new death troopers or, yep. you know, the zombie troopers. And, yeah, there was so much in that I loved. I thought the, this. So much of this felt like tying different things together, you know? And so having some of the most touching moments in why Hu Yang is a character that means so much to us is that Hu Yang has these great episodes where he and Ahsoka go with younglings to help them find their crystal. And he's teaching them all about lightsabers. And he's just this wonderful, like, you know, very kind of like a little bit snooty and a little bit, you know, pompous, but really caring so much and believing so much in lightsabers. And... This idea that not only does he get to connect with Ezra, which is like Kanan had been a Jedi, but left when he was a very young child, mm-hmm. who Yang has taught Jedi for literal centuries. 
And so in some ways, this was Ezra being plugged so much more into that history of the Jedi and to have it then all be done because who Yang remembers Caleb Dune, the, the Jedi who would then become the, the Padawan who then changed his name to Kanan Jarrus. And, and not only to remember him and to connect that with Ezra, but to give Ezra the, these parts of Kanan's lightsaber that he could build his own. It was just, I, I that was one of those moments where I had to pause, just get tissue because I was just crying so much. It was so beautifully done. Yeah. I had such goosebumps seeing Kanan's lightsaber in live action. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize how unique the style is. I didn't even realize it was a lightsaber I would recognize like that. But when I saw it, I was like, whoa. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. That's so cool. Which is, one thing I was wondering is, where does he get the crystal for the lightsaber that he, and is it just that he gets the crystal from Kanan's, what he's basically doing, just rebuilding Kanan's lightsaber? Yeah, I that was a little convoluted. I haven't seen the episode a second time yet, so I might mm-hmm. catch it again when I rewatch. But it, I kind of – it was this funny little explain away of like, and Caleb built too, just for fun. Yeah. Here you go. Yeah, I, I <laughs> like, think so. Yeah. It, it, there were definitely – I think that's the thing about this episode is I loved every minute of watching it. And then later I thought about it and I was like, wait a minute, what about this? Wait a minute, what about this? And so we'll kind of talk about both sides of that, like the the loving it and also some of the like, wait a minute. Um, but yeah, I thought that was so well done. I thought the force pushing moment was so good. And it was just, you know, we talked about in an earlier episode that we we were a little sad that maybe we weren't going to get more reference to Kanan. And I thought it really tied together for me that Jason is Kanan's son and so is Ezra in a real way, you know, and that like – I'm kind of glad they didn't give us the Ezra Jason reunion m- meeting because it would have, it was like, I needed more than 30 seconds with yeah, it. Yeah, it's too much to fit in that episode. But it made me so looking forward to that because it was yeah. just like, no, no, no. The show is really honoring Kanan. It's honoring how alive and well he is in, in, in these, in these kids who are living beyond him. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's funny because. Intense spoilers for Rebels coming up. So if you've not seen Rebels yet, Please skip ahead about a minute. <clears throat> in my coverage of Rebels, that we we had like three more episodes to do before all this happened, we're finally going to get back to it. Um, with Riki and Sarah, and, and possibly yourself, we're just about to do the episode where Kanan dies, and I feel like all this is going to be in my heart as well now. Watching that, so yeah, that's going to suck. Yeah, I might intense. sit that out. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. It is a very emotional episode. It's a very emotional episode. Yeah. I, it's what funny, another good. thing, it's so funny watching these episodes with my parents who just have no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, especially my mom, love her the most, but it's like, Ezra comes off the ship and she's like, oh no, like, who is it? Off the shuttle, and he takes his, like, helmet off. And, like, Hera sees him and she goes, wait, what's that? Who's Hera? Is this romance? Are they in love? Oh I'm like, mom, no, <laughs> just because... <coughs> A male and female have excited reactions to see each other. Like, I understand mm-hmm. you want a little romance in our space soap opera, but that's not what's happening right now. <laughs> like, first of all, this is because I, I think the actress they cast to play Hera is fantastic, except that they make her look younger than I think she is. Yeah, she looks quite Hera, young. Hera's Ezra's mom. Mm-hmm. Like, like if Kane is the dad, Hera's mom. So 100%. definitely no romance there. But I will say also... I don't know if you guys talked about this. I had been nervous that they were teasing 
and setting up a Sabine Ezra romance. And we I was did very talk glad. About this. Yeah, what what did you all have to say about that? I don't know. Cause it was like it was one of those things where I mean I was watching it with my mom. She's like, what? is this romance? Are they in love? The right. whole time, the whole episode. Uh, season she's been like why does she want to find ezra so bad are they in love and i'm like Mm -hmm. no it's a sibling thing yeah and then when they do have that like reunion and they have that moment where they like hug and then they step back and she kind of grabs his arm and they both look at it and i was like it's a sibling thing right right Mm -hmm. like it's it's a sibling (laughs) thing (laughs) like like i also got those vibes of like romance but when alex and i were talking about it it's like is could they be setting something up like that maybe honestly personally i'm not 100 percent against it because mm-hmm. it has been so many years it's been 10 years yeah. so much has changed for both of the characters like i wouldn't have wanted that to show up though in this first season because yeah. that's just too much and too confusing but yeah it is feloni definitely did that on purpose yeah. Whether like, it's a mislead or whether it's a hint at what might come. And and going way, way back when they first met, mm-hmm. I mean, like any 15-year-old boy would be, or probably many 15-year-olds of any gender, because Sabine was the most bamf bamf that ever bamfed a bamf. Yep. Uh, badass motherfucker. Yep. Uh, and she was gorgeous. And, like, of course he had a crush on her. And he flirted with her badly and she shot him down. And then, like... They never went back there again because he yeah. said they became siblings. Exactly. And I think you're right. I, I What I was worried about <clears throat> was that they would reunite and she would say, I needed to come find you because I realized I've always loved you. You know, Ew, like that yeah. kind of a thing. Because then that would undo. But if it is that they needed to find each other because of the sibling bond and because they're all a family with Hera and with Kanan and with Zeb, my particular favorite – and now step bro, uh, Callus, you know, Zeb's husband, like, you got to give those to me soon, Filoni. Mm-hmm. Come on. I'm going to be honest. Um, I just realized this now. I had a dream last night that Zeb made a appearance in the last part of the episode. And I was like, yes, we have the whole squad. And I didn't realize that was a dream till right now. So that sucks. <laughs> yeah, no, I... I remember because in some ways I wouldn't care as much if they hadn't given us like five seconds of live action Zeb yeah. in, um, I don't even remember what it was in there. Season three of Mandalorian. Thank you. Thank I think you. it was the last episode. Yeah. Yeah. No. no, same. It's like, he's out there and we know it now. Right. You rendered him. There? <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the thing is like, so if it had been, I had to find you because I've always been in love with you. Like, no. Yeah. If, if it is now like, oh yeah, you're my long lost kind of pseudo family member from 20 years ago we're reconnecting now and over the course of our next adventure we find that in that great absence our feelings for each other have shifted and are now becoming potentially romantic it's not what i want but i wouldn't be as opposed to it Mm -hmm. because they didn't they didn't do it here now which is the main thing i was concerned about yeah i'd say i kind of sit there too like it's not something I feel I need from the characters in any way, shape, or form, but I'm not going to be mad if it happens, as long as yeah. it's done well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, let me bring up, I, I, it's not critiques, but it's some of the questions I had. And okay. 
I'm wondering if you feel the same or if you're like, Matthew, stop asking these questions because I wanted to enjoy it. Or you're like, no, Matthew, you're totally wrong, etc. Because there were some parts of it that I I just didn't get. And, and the first is, and again, maybe part of this is because I'm bringing in too much of the history. In the show, one of the whole points of the Night Sisters, the Death Mary, is that they were dark side force users who had nothing to do with the Sith and were, in fact, very opposed to the Sith. They didn't even really talk about the Force. They talked about it as magic. Mm-hmm. And they very clearly did not want to be part of the Republic or the Separatists. They wanted to be outside of all this. And one thing they talked about a lot was sort of like that there's there's a difference between being callous and somewhat malevolent to the people who get in the way of your your own goals and your goals for your people, but where your goals for your people are just survive and thrive in your own little part of the galaxy. And that's very different from we have to go conquer everything. Mm-hmm. And so I kept waiting to find out, like, why is it that this group that was so uninterested in galactic politics and wound up actually being destroyed by galactic politics is all of a sudden so bent on the galactic empire coming back and sort of, you know, we're doing this for Dathomir, we're doing this for the empire. Mm-hmm. What, what did, did you kind of feel like that was answered? Did you feel like it's going to get answered later? So who cares? What was your kind of feeling on that? I think we'll get some more clarity as the story unfolds more, but mm-hmm. the way I see it, they don't care about the empire. They don't care about galactic politics. They were here on a dead planet in some sort of a sleep that Thrawn somehow woke them from. And now mm-hmm. they need to leave the dead planet. And the person who has the means of getting them out is Thrawn. <clears throat> okay. And so I kind of see it as like, they're just trying to return to the other galaxy to recreate the Night Sisters and to repopulate. And maybe mm-hmm. start that again on Dathomir, maybe start it elsewhere. I see it as... The Great Mother's just trying to find a new beginning for the Night Sisters clan. Right. And the thing that gives them the best chance at that right now is Thrawn. So the fact that they have to help him out here and there, it's kind of a <clears throat> give and take. Like, they're both using each other, is the mm, way I see okay. it. Like, Thrawn is using them to be able to have an army and kind of fight his fight. And clearly, with all the um, coffins we've seen come out of the catacombs, there's going to be more of that when we get back to this galaxy. Uh, but maybe there isn't. Maybe that's why Thrawn mm-hmm. is defeated. Is because they return, they reanimate all their zombies, and the Night Sisters say, deuces. You know? I mean, that 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 hadn't occurred to me. That would be fascinating. And I will say that Morgan Elizabeth saying kind of under her breath when, when Thrawn is like, do this for the Empire, and she's like, yes, and for Dathomir, that would be kind of awesome. Yeah. Um, Especially because, and this is more Thrawn in the books, but it comes out a little bit in the show, but much more in the books, there are so many times where Thrawn has to enter into these temporary alliances with people that, like, maybe he should trust and maybe he shouldn't, Mm -hmm. but he is always the one to figure out that they're going to backstab him and to get the jump on them first. And mm-hmm. so I will say, like, that would be a way to see this kind of awesome side of Thrawn that I think we haven't seen much on screen, either animated or live action, of, you know, Thrawn and the Night Sisters both being like, yes, we're, we're allies while they both have a knife behind their back. Yeah. And you're right, maybe, maybe they get the jump on him, but maybe he gets the jump on them. Um, 
I definitely didn't get, I didn't get that sense at all, but I think you're right. That would, that would, cool. So one of my big concerns, you, you've explained away. Yes. <laughs> you're so welcome. I've answered all the uh, here questions. I am the Star Wars Oracle. What can I say? Well, then let's Oracle number two. Let's go question number two. Okay. Um, you talked about how what Sabine did was like this great growth for her character. And they portrayed it as though that was the case. And this was one of those things where, but then when I stopped and thought about it, because Sabine went to bring Ezra back. And I can see it as like a a self-sacrifice, like I want him to be back even if I'm not with him. But certainly was a lot of like, no, I want to be with Ezra, you know, again, not in a romantic way, but, you know, just I want to be reunited with him. But more importantly, part of the thing that Ahsoka was trying to get her to focus on is that we have to put our personal feelings aside and look towards the larger goal of we have to stop Thrawn. Mm-hmm. And so at the end, she has a choice. Mm-hmm. And it's positioned as instead of chasing what her heart wants, she does what she should do to help Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. But I saw it as... Instead of doing what she should do, which is going to help stop Thrawn, which is the whole point of all of this, she goes and instead acts out of her personal loyalty towards her master Ahsoka and saves Ahsoka, but does nothing, you know, that leaves Ezra alone to try and stop Thrawn. Does that, does that make sense? Am I, am I overthinking this here? That does make sense. No, you're not overthinking it. That definitely makes sense. (laughs) I think... I feel like Sabine's character is so clouded right now. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. fully understand what is going on with her. Because, yes, if we look at the Sabine in Rebels, 100% of the time she's going to choose Ahsoka. 100% of the time she's going to choose her family, the people that care for her. And that's true. That is a big part of her character. Um, And it's very Mandalorian, I should say. That kind of like... I'm not interested in the larger galactic politics. I'm interested in my family, my clan, my planet. That's very true. That is very Mandalorian. Um, And so I think we got a really important piece of information in this episode when Huyang tells Ezra, I believe he tells Ezra, that Ahsoka abandoned Sabine because she was worried about Sabine's rage and want for revenge after the rays of Mandalore. And so it seems like there's a lot that changed for her at that point. And she kind of focused in more on like very specific things. Mm-hmm. And like her specific thing had become Ezra. And so like right. Ezra is number one. I Even though these other people around me used to be important or are still important to me, they're no longer my goal. So right. in that situation, she does let Ahsoka be killed, killed, quote, quote, or, like, Mm -hmm. doesn't destroy the thing to keep them from finding Thrawn like she maybe should have. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. That's a great point. Like, maybe it's not character growth. I think, though, it just, it maybe shows her becoming more of a Jedi Mm -hmm. and less of a Mandalorian because instead of kind of choosing the found family and returning to that galaxy, she chooses her master. Right. Well, and certainly Ahsoka seems to have done a 180 on this because mm-hmm. like I was expecting Ahsoka to be like, Sabine, you idiot. The whole point was to go and stop Thrawn. But instead she's like, no, we are where we are. Yeah. 
And she's in this real place of serenity and peace and balance, which is huge growth for her character. But I was like, but, but Ahsoka, you were so worried about Thrawn and mm-hmm. Thrawn's there now and you're not. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I trust in Filoni. I'm sure we'll get all that explained coming up, but it, it, it left me some questions. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think of the way it ended? Do you feel like Ahsoka and Sabine have the goal of returning to their galaxy ASAP Rocky? Or do you feel like Ahsoka is truly closing, trying to close that book of her life and say, I am in a new galaxy and this is what's happening now? So I think there's a third option. Okay. And let me first say, my first thought was, if the Purgle just show up immediately and you do the same trick and the Purgle take you home right after Thrawn, that'll feel lazy writing to me. Because it'll feel like we did that already. It's got to be something else. Mm-hmm. So I was very glad they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. I I definitely was confused by Ahsoka in terms of her saying, like, we'll do what, you know. I I think I left the episode thinking of that second option that you were saying of, you know, she's just like, we're done. My time in the war is over. I'm not a Jedi. Mm-hmm. Me and Sabine are just going to live peacefully with the turtle people. And, you know, that's the end. Which would feel uns- it would feel like, you know, kind of like, Ahsoka, you've done enough. It, it is okay to lay down your, your, your lightsabers and be done. Mm-hmm. And it, it's funny. Um, the, the timing of this is all skewed because of the strike. But um, immediately after recording this, Aaron and I are going to record an episode on the novel Ahsoka uh, which takes place a lot earlier, it takes place immediately after the Clone Wars in Order 66. And that book does such a great that, – that episode will come out long before this because these are being held back because of the strike. Excuse me. But that book does a great job of really highlighting just how much she's gone through and how much Order 66 was devastating and how much even then she wants to just be done. And so a part of me is like, yeah, just just be a farmer with the turtle people. Good, Good for you. You've done your part. Let someone else do it. Mm-hmm. But it would feel very, like I said, unsatisfying because, like, why, why is she so lo- no no longer th- so afraid of Thrawn the way she was, you know, two episodes ago? I'm wondering though if there's a third option, which is that the fact that she is on this planet and that Balin and uh, Shin are still on this planet, as well as like clearly some Force thing. Because we saw those statues that Balin was in front of, which did you pick up on were pretty much replicas of the characters from the Mortis arc in Clone Wars? I'm going to be honest. I was just really distracted um, by how much it looked like the Lord, Lord of the Rings. Rings. Yeah. yeah. I That's totally got that. all I could think about because the Ag- Agernath, I think is what it's called. I'm definitely mm. wrong, but it's something like that. They're my bookends. Yeah, and I look yeah. at them every day. So that's ex- that's all I was thinking about. That's all I was thinking about. <laughs> took, I read something on Twitter that pointed it out. But yeah, and for those who don't know, one of the more esoteric and convoluted plot lines in the Clone Wars, in what I think is a like Paul and I a long time ago talked about how there's different ways to look at Star Wars, where there is pieces of media that give you really important knowledge about the story. And then there's pieces of media that are very good storytelling. And the best are when it does both. Mm -hmm. And I think the Mortis arc is an example of not the best storytelling, 
but it gives you incredible story about the history of the Force and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, but it left a lot of huge questions, but part of it was this idea of the father, that there was a father, a son, and a daughter who were kind of the living embodiments of the, the nature of the Force, with the son being the dark side, the daughter being the light side, and the father kind of being the balance. And that as part of the end of it, the Ahsoka died and the and the daughter sacrificed herself to kind of keep Ahsoka alive and and to make her kind of a living embodiment of the, of the light side of the force in many ways. And it was also that at that moment that the owl-like creature that often follows Ahsoka around, who showed up, by the way, at the very end of this episode. Morgai. Uh, Morgai, Morgai, thank you, which I, is very much a reference to Athena's owl. Um, became a part of a so so there's all that tie-in and the statues that Balin is standing in front of are I, I hadn't picked it up either I thought Lord of the Rings but someone pointed out are very close images to the father and the son from um, that episode arc so my hope is that Ahsoka wants to stay there not just to be done but because she thinks there's really important, like that by being there, she can learn more about what happened to Thrawn. She can learn more about what happened to the Dark Sister, to the Night Sisters. She can learn more about the nature of the Force itself. She can maybe recruit Balin or Shin. Um, and again, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, and, and that with all that knowledge, that she'll then be able to return and help take on Thrawn. But that there's a sort of like, we have to stay here to do all that. So yeah. that. I didn't have that at the end of the episode, but but especially talking more with you, but also just with some of that other stuff about all those connections is where I start to think maybe that's what's going on. Yeah, I I mean, I had like that thought, like I mentioned of like, is she really just dipping? Like, what do you mean? Like, are you just going to hang yeah. out with the Matthew Turtles for the rest of your life? I call them Matthew Turtles because they're dapper like you. Thank you very much. Um, I appreciate that. You're welcome. Um. But yeah, especially seeing Morai and seeing Anakin's Force Ghost, which some people I've seen online have been saying, like, Anakin really has at this point, and we've really seen it now that we saw his Force Ghost, or his um, Force Being interact with Ahsoka in Episode 5, that right. it's like maybe he has taken his place as the true center of the force. Maybe he has become the father. And maybe mm. that's why we saw the force ghost on Peridia, because there is a lot to be said about the overlords yeah. at that planet. And, and, and maybe that this is like, he still hasn't actually fulfilled his prophecy of bringing balance to the force. Yeah. So that brings up, I, 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 I I would love that, and I think by now I'm sold on I'm okay with Hayden being the direction that goes. Thank you. This is a small quibble I have, and it doesn't have anything to do with Hayden, but I think it bothered me a little in this, and honestly, in some ways, it would bother me if we went that, that direction as well. Hayden looked young in, you know, Anakin looked young in that image of the Force Code. Like, he's still, like... He looks like he's the old age relative to Ahsoka. Like Ahsoka has he he has aged about the same number of years that Ahsoka has aged. Okay. Which to me, you know, I think I talked about this before that for me, you know, my Anakin is James Earl Jones. Like my I knew the character first as Darth Vader. 
Yeah. And so the single most important part of Anakin's story to me has always been his listening to Luke and turning on the Emperor. And he does not say, no, no, like, F that. That's bullshit. Um, I'll have to edit myself there. Um, but and, – and and to me, the fact that he appears at the end of Return of the Jedi in the original as that age, you know, the same way, like, it's not Ewan McGregor Force Ghost. It's Alec Guinness Force Ghost. I mean, granted, Ewan McGregor hadn't been cast yet, but it's the mm-hmm. – them at the end of their lives. And so to me – I need the force ghost that the force ghost of Anakin that interacts with Ahsoka or with anything else to be the force ghost of the of the being who has gone through that, who has done what he did with Luke and with Palpatine. Yeah, and 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 maybe part of it's because, like you know, I've said in other places. I've always wanted to see the moment when when Ahsoka learns that that happened, and I, I assume she knows it happened by now, but we just haven't actually seen it, but whatever. But seeing the younger Anakin to me, and, and maybe we'll, we'll hear something about, like, people appear as the, like, Force ghosts aren't just a set image, they appear to a person as that person would know them. Mm-hmm. If, if that, and, and, and if there's some acknowledgement that this is the being that, you know, did all that later. Yeah. But certainly because I didn't get that with the, the being that interacted with Ahsoka in episode four. And so, yeah, this, I probably spent way longer than I needed to on what is a five-second quibble. But I do hope that if, 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 if that version of Anakin continues to be an important part of the story, I just hope they make it clear that this is, a, this is the version of Anakin that overthrew the Emperor. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That's a valid want. Mm-hmm. Like, just... Making sure we're all on the same page of like, yes, this is not Anakin Skywalker who loved his wife and was friends with the Emperor. Like, this is the guy who committed genocide and child murder and then eventually threw the Emperor down a shaft. Right. (laughs) Which, I mean, there's a whole other thing there about how does Rise of Skywalker then undo the importance of what he did, but that's that's a whole other story um, for another day. Yeah. Um, so what did you think about the Ezra reunion was phenomenal. It was tear jerking. It was so beautifully done. Mm-hmm. The idea that Hera lowers her, her weapon. None of the rest of the people on that platform have any idea who this guy is, but they no. all lower their weapons just because they trust Hera. But what did you think about it in terms of the story? Just her reuniting with Ezra? Yeah. I don't know. I guess I haven't really thought about it. Is there more I should be thinking about? I liked well, the chopper was the first one who noticed it was Ezra. I liked that. that yeah. Like, I love the reunion. But part of me is thinking, Ezra, why aren't you still on the ship screwing with Thrawn's plans? Yeah, that's very like- true. When I, I was very <laughs> surprised we got that reunion because I was right. expecting like, yeah, that's true. I forgot that I had these thoughts. But yeah. I was not expecting to have that reunion, but then once I saw it, I was just so distracted by how happy I was. I didn't think exactly. About it. <laughs> yeah, like I kind of wish that it had been like a review screen. You know, he'd been like, "Yeah, here I'm here on the Star Destroyer, and I've spent like the last like month, like you know, c- you know, secretly killing people and yeah. sabotaging things." And because like it, again, it just felt like, wait, was the whole point for him to hitch a ride with Thrawn, or was the whole point for him to like go and stop, stop Thrawn? Him. Yeah. 
Yeah, because right now it looks like he hitched a ride. And maybe we'll find out. Yeah. In hindsight, yeah, he planted a bunch of bombs or, like, did some sabotage or planted a tracker. Something that simple, you know? Yep. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll find out at some point. But, yeah, that's funny. I also was kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> in many ways, that's the that's the best way I can describe this episode is I feel like it did – it told a great story and it also did a lot of – I think the term fan service is – gets a negative rap. I don't think fan service is bad necessarily. Mm-hmm. I think it, it was incredibly cathartic to see those reunions and as a fan, I wanted that. But, but it, it did feel a little like you gave us the cathartic moment – but that didn't quite make sense to what the story should be, you yeah. know? So, yeah. Yeah. So that, that's kind of my the summary of my thoughts. What about you? Any other kind of things we haven't talked about in terms of this episode? Um, <laughs> not really. I mean, the fight with Morgan and Ahsoka was dope. Yep. I was really sad that Morgan died because giving her the gift of shadows to go die like 10 minutes later was very... Mm-hmm. Sad for me. I was excited to see this new wrath of Morgan that was going to be unleashed on our known galaxy, you know? Yeah. I wanted to know what she was going to look like as a point man for both the Empire and the Night Sisters, because that was also an interesting character for me, because mm-hmm. Morgan was very focused on Thrawn and was a part of the Empire before it fell. Right. But she's also a Night Sister. And so, from my point of view, as the Night Sisters and Thrawn using each other and really being on opposite sides, whether or not it turns volatile or whether or not they complete their tasks in part ways, I was just interested to see where that left Morgan. Right. But clearly, that is not part of the plot from here on out. And that's okay, too. I mean, if anybody doesn't care about death, it's the Night Sisters. That's a great so point. So, maybe. That's a really um, great point. But yeah, no, I, I had some of the same thing, especially because before she became a Night Sister, Ahsoka fought Morgan and Ahsoka won. Yep. And now Morgan got all this new power and Ahsoka still beat her. Yeah. And and that felt a little like, I, I, yeah, I didn't get it, you know? Um, but like Ahsoka also has so much more power. Right. Is the way I saw it. Like, the growth she's gone through in this show, she's so much different than she was in season two of Mandalorian. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, it made me kind of wonder, like, what Balin and Shin were doing in this. And again, because maybe it's all going to be explored in the future. But, like, I think in terms of that journey, what would have made more sense is, you know, in Mandalorian, Ahsoka defeats Morgan. Then fairly early on, Morgan becomes like the official Night Sister, and it's Morgan who defeats Ahsoka mm-hmm. and leaves her for dead right before the 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 ship goes off to the new galaxy. Yeah. And then it's because of all that Ahsoka has done that now Ahsoka can defeat Morgan again. Yeah, rematch. Yeah. That would have been but, a nice way to do it too. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see. I I I did love her character and I mean, maybe there's some element of Morgan was the bridge between Thrawn and the Night Sisters, but but then Thrawn's been with those Night Sisters this whole time, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Any other last things you wanted to bring up? Yeah, just the Night Troopers, which we didn't talk about so zombies in Star funny. Wars. This is so funny because when Alex and I recorded on Episode Six, I talked about 
how when I was rewatching the episode, I had gone back specifically to find the moment be- right as like right before we see Thrawn when you know it's showing all these troopers and they're chanting like Thrawn, 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 and in the captions they had said the name of the troopers. They called them night troopers. Mm-hmm. And I had gone back specifically because I was just curious. I had seen that they called them something. And I was like, what was that? So then I like told Alex, I was like, yeah, they're night troopers. Like, isn't that cool? Maybe it's because like they're dark because like blah, blah, blah. And then shortly after we finished recording, I texted Alex and I was like, yo, night troopers like night sisters. They're zombies. Mm-hmm. I'm so stupid. He was like, wow, we're big dummy for not realizing that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I just think, yeah, the captions like told us what was going on. Two episodes in mm-hmm. advance. Yeah. So that was just cool. Yeah. And yeah, zombies in Star Wars. That was such a fun scene of them just like coming back. And I liked that it wasn't like, okay, we're undead and now we're like back to being um, stormtroopers. No. No, they bit. They, they, like, they, they were fighting. Bit. like They were just like, you can't see me, but I'm whipping my arms around a little bit like an mm-hmm. undead zombie. Um, it, there was one moment, like we have seen this before. In Rebels, when they went to the to Dathomir, so again in in animation, not live action. So I understood that most of our characters were like, "Oh, what is this? I've never seen any of this." Mm-hmm. Except one of them was Sabine, <laughs> and so like the moment where all of them were like, "I've never seen this," and Sabine wasn't like, "Oh yeah, no, the Night Sisters do this. I saw it. We fought them." Yeah. Um, I was a little like, "Guys, but it it's fine. Yeah. It's not a huge deal." Um, it was really fun to see, and it just. It took Star Wars in a new direction, which I really like. It did. It was nice. I did like that a <laughs> mm-hmm. lot, too. Yeah. But yeah so, yeah, all. we'll see. And they didn't explain it, but I, to me, does this confirm that Merrick, the the Inquisitor who's with them for the first couple episodes, who kind of when, when they killed Merrick, kind of all this, like, green gas exploded out of him? Mm-hmm. Are we now pretty, pretty, pretty solid thinking that was some kind of Night Sister zombie situation? I'm going to be honest, I don't really think so. Okay. Like, it's very possible, yes, but the mm-hmm. people who raised the undead were the Great Mothers, not Morgan. Morgan right. was not a fully-fledged Night Sister. She did not have full access to the dark magic. I don't know if she possessed the ability to reanimate people. Right. So, yeah, maybe, but also, when I first saw that smoke, I did not think Night Sisters, because... In my opinion, it wasn't quite lime green enough. It was yeah, like that's fair. the green was just a little different than the green we saw on Talzin's blade. And at first I wrote that off as maybe they're choosing a different color for live action. But when we saw Talzin's blade and the fire in the Great Mother's eyes, I was like, no, that is like our oh, that's fair. lime green, like Night Sister fire. So it could be that. Yeah. It could it, still be my theory of him being a species that can't handle normal gravity, and so he just exploded when his pressure suit was compromised. I mean, up till now, and granted, this is mostly because of effects budgets, but like, and also just what we're used to, like, most Star Wars species have been bipedal and breathe a carbon, you know, mm-hmm. our atmosphere similar to our own, but we have had some species who have to be in environment suits. So, yeah, yeah that could that'd be pretty awesome. Well, Aaron, as always, so good to have you on this conversation. We're going to have a little bit of a Patreon section in just a moment. But for those who, uh, you know, uh, Aaron, as always, so good to have you on this conversation. Can't look, uh, look really looking forward to have you on as, uh, for more in the future. Uh, and for those who aren't members, aren't going to hear our last section uh, and want to find more of you, where can they do it? 
Yeah, I'm at Lady Tunnel Creates, both on Instagram and TikTok. Post cosplay stuff and just other random things I'm up to. So if you're interested, there's tutorials on TikTok. There's a few on Instagram, but mostly just photos on there. So yeah, drop a follow if you're interested. Yeah, it's definitely awesome stuff. Um, I really loved watching what you're doing with cosplay and exploring all that and some of the other stuff you do. So definitely check out uh, the ways to find Lady Tano online. Definitely worthwhile. Of course, this is uh, an Ethical Panda podcast. If you search for theethicalpanda.com, go to our website. Uh, you can also find our website on True Story FM. It's kind of our podcast home these days. There also you'll find all the ways to contact us. We love feedback. Um, we're still embargoing these, so I'm not going to release these yet. You won't hear this until after, but I'm – well, it doesn't matter because I'm going to post something online that says, hey, give us your feedback. We'll record a feedback episode. But, of course, we're going to do that before you get to hear this, so don't worry about it. Um, but we are also now a membership-supported podcast. The members are really what makes all this possible. Um, it's $5 a month. You get to be a part of this podcast. You get to be – you get ad-free content. You get bonus content, all the great things. Uh, please think about doing that. Please also think about joining our Discord communities. It's a great way to interact with us, uh, ask us questions, talk to us. Uh, I'm going to try and get more and more of the co-hosts and guests on there as well. Um, so please think about being a part of all that. And most importantly, remember, we have spoken. <laughs>